0: It's almost an advantage to me that I didn't grow up in the horse business because I didn't have to play by the rules per se because I didn't know the difference, you know? I didn't know that people aren't supposed to buy horses on the internet. I had been to five horse sales in my life whenever I started that online sale company, you know? Like, I just... And to me, it was just like, well, I guess I I feel like the way it developed was I just kept pushing the boundaries. Like, okay, well, I think I can sell horses online. Okay, great. We
1: sold them online. You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family.
2: Welcome to The Ride, a biweekly podcast brought to you by Horse and Rider Magazine, co-hosted by Nicole Cherico and Devin Conley. In each episode, we chat with some of the industry's top trainers, clinicians, horsekeeping experts, and professionals to share inspiring stories, training philosophies, and the
3: importance of living your best Western horse life. On this episode of The Ride Podcast, we sit down and chat with Melanie Smith of Solo Select Horses. Melanie founded Solo Select in November of 2018 with the goal of connecting great horses with buyers. Fast forward to today, and Solo Select is now a full-service business, offering reproduction services, mare management, some terrific studs, sales fitting, and even more. This episode is brought to you by ADM Animal Nutrition. At ADM Animal Nutrition, our mission is doing what's right for the horse, and that starts with quality feed. The ADM Forage First Patriot Feeds are premium feed blends formulated for horses at every stage of life. Our Forage First philosophy means starting with the highest quality forage available, then adding the right Patriot product. Each bag of Patriot Feed includes grow strong vitamins and minerals, as well as ingredients to support gut function and integrity. Patriot Equine Feeds, the official sponsor of good times and best friends. Feed forage first. Feed Patriot.
1: All right, welcome back to another episode of The Ride Podcast. I'm Devin. I'm here with my co-host, Nicole, and today we are joined by Melanie Smith. Melanie has been in the, the horse business for over 15 years, and she's sold a lot of horses worldwide, and then she founded Solo Select in 2018, and we're going to talk about that more today. Uh, Solo Select is now a full-service facility. They uh, they offer mare care, stallions, uh, sail fitting, and a whole lot more. So Melanie has a lot of experience in the horse industry, and we're really excited to hear what she has to say. Thank you for joining us today, Melanie. Yeah, no, thank you for having me. So I think just to kick things off, can you just kind of uh, introduce yourself and give a little background on your beginnings in the horse industry? Did you grow up in a horse family? Um, what did that look like for you as a child?
0: Yeah, so um, so I did not grow up in a horse family at all. Uh, loved horses from day one. The My earliest memory of horses was at a rodeo. Uh, my parents took me to the Henrietta Rodeo and we were driving past the rodeo queens and I very specifically remember getting on the ground floor of our van and throwing an absolute fit because I wanted to be a rodeo queen right then like I didn't know anything about riding and I didn't know anything else but I saw the sparkles and they're waving and I thought that was for me and so that uh, that was my earliest memory of horses I grew up playing a lot of sports and um, didn't get to ride a lot Uh, my parents got me riding lessons for you know, a couple months when I was in first grade, but then it really started for me when I was 10 years old. Um, we were sitting there during a birthday dinner and I saw on the front page of the newspaper that a place called Whispers of Hope Horse Farm was offering, um, a volunteer program. And when you were 10 years old, which this was my 10th birthday, you could come and volunteer. And so I begged my mom and she was like, we're not doing that. You're never going to get a horse. Well, I just followed them enough. They finally took me to the orientation and the rest was history. So I spent a lot of time at Whispers of Hope, a lady there named Mary Elizabeth Pierce, um, amazing person. She uh, runs that therapeutic riding facility and not only caters to um children that are mentally and physically disabled but also allows girls and and boys like me at that age within that community to come and work and volunteer there and get to be a part of the horse community in a place where my parents would have never had the funds or ability or connections to get me into it so um that was a uh you know just one of those things that was amazing experience and I got all my uh, beginning horse experience there um fast forward a little ways. I begged my parents for a horse. Once again, I just kept getting like, you're never going to get a horse. Like just get it off of your mind. My dad was like, you can have a motorcycle, you can have a go-kart, anything that doesn't eat and poop, you can have. If it eats and poops, it's not, you're not getting it. So when I was 13, I finally got one. (laughs) And, uh, I didn't know anything. then. I mean, I was super clueless. So this was a Tennessee Walker quarter horse cross. I thought it was the greatest thing ever. It was just basically a blown up runoff barrel horse. Um, that time I did the Pat Pirelli method and went through all of that with it. I had no idea what horsemanship was. So that was a great introduction to all of that for me and kind of got this horse when he would actually ride. I think he was just completely sick of me because I spent hours and hours and hours on him. And so, um, Moving on from that, I gave riding lessons and things, traded hay to kind of make um, my board payments to be able to pay for my horse, and then um, eventually got to start riding with some performance horse trainers, and you know learned about leads and collections and I mean things I had no idea about and. Um, where the performance horse deal really started for me is I was able to go to work for uh, Craig and Don Crumpler when I was 16 loping horses. And that's where everything really changed. Um, I just saw that there was a whole other level and I kind of had access to some great horses and um, they were amazing. They took me under their wing. Um, I was completely clueless, but I was there every day and I was just really excited to be there. So that was an amazing experience. And then that evolved eventually into me giving a lot of riding lessons, which is where my business really started whenever I was in high school and um, in nursing school at Midwestern State. Um, uh, Gave those riding lessons to um, pay my way through college and, of course, loped horses for them. Um, At that time, I started selling some of their cutting horse rejects, and that was kind of where the love for selling horses came in. I thought I wanted to be a horse trainer, but my parents said I had to go to school. So I went to nursing school um, and it was great, but it just wasn't for me. I graduated, got my bachelor's degree, worked in the ER for about a year. It wasn't that cool. It was just, I have major respect for everybody that's a nurse because it is not all it's cracked up to me. And so anyways, I thought I wanted to be a horse trainer. I was a really bad horse trainer. I like want instant gratification all the time. I have zero patience, And so horse training was not for me, Um, but I did get lucky. I trained a couple barrel horses that were pretty nice horses and, um, sold a couple of those really well. And that's when I was like, man, I love selling these horses. Like this is fun to me. And, um, take these horses that at the time cut a rejects, you could buy them for nothing. People were just happy if you came and picked them up and got them off the feed bill. This has been back in probably 2012 or so. And there were so many of them, the horse market wasn't very good. Um, and so, uh, Anyways, I I started selling those kind of rejects, made them barrel horses, did all that, and and that's where the business really started. So it started out as low rents horses. Um, that's where Facebook auctions started for me, and so the Facebook auctions eventually led into what we have now. But we did Facebook auctions. We sold horses privately. It was like a, um, it was kind of when Facebook was new, so we were some of the first people really doing a lot of those things. There was a couple other people uh, doing it online, but but very few. So um, that's where the whole internet. Deal started and um, man, it just grew crazy. Like, I just remember sitting in the hospital working one afternoon, and my phone was just blowing up with people calling about horses. And that's when I was just like, it's just time for me to take the step and quit this job and go with this. Like, I'm 22 years old. I'm never going to have the opportunity where nobody needs anything from me as, as I have right now. So that's what I did. And my business just continued to grow. Um, in 2018, Solo Select Horses was born, and it started you know, I, I had just recently gotten a divorce. I had two studs and, uh, that's about it. That was, I started in on, um, stayed over at the ranch equine, uh, which is where my stud stood. Jack kind of took me in and let me stay over there. And, um, this was in 2018 and, um, we had 10 stalls and just got to work and kind of was able to keep some of my low rents horses, uh, customers and, um, Man, Solo Select just took off. Like it was just, uh, that was whenever I, I was still doing Facebook auctions, but uh, COVID was shortly after that, a couple of years after that. And I started this auction company that I have now online and that was absolutely insane. I mean, it was, that was, it was great during COVID. Um, the business just kept growing and growing. We just continued to outgrow all the facilities we were at. So um, jumping to now, Solo Select just turned to a monster that I didn't really plan for, but I love. Um, we've got, I don't, probably 250, 250 to 300 stalls that stay full all the time. Um, we, we keep thinking we're going to stop adding stalls and it just continues to happen that we just keep adding a barn here or there and it's full as soon as it's built. So um, we're super blessed with that. Right now, we've got a lot of uh, sail fitting horses in. During breeding season, those stalls are generally filled with broodmares and sail horses. Right now, a lot of it is yearling sail self-fitting horses plus like the 80 horses that are in our sale on Monday. And so, um, we do all of that full service breeding facility. We have a full-time veterinarian here that services all of our clients. Um, we just recently added a recipient mare farm that's got about 2000 mares, uh, in it. Um, we've got some exciting plans coming for our stallion barn. And so, Uh, we just kind of continue to grow and and we're just trying to keep up like it's it's been great we have a great set of customers and um have a lot of fun with it if you guys anybody on here follows our solo select group we always post fun things we were at um we were at north park mall a couple days ago with the studs with miles baker and trevor brazil doing a gucci photo shoot so you just never you literally never know what's going to come about here Today we were shooting a fun little TikTok commercial type deal for our horse in our cell themed around Barbie. We have a metallic cat mare with a three foot long mane and she's beautiful. And we thought, what a better time to do a Barbie <laughs> TikTok, you know, so we've got clothes in her hair and it's like, I get to live my childhood dreams. You know, we get to do all kinds of fun stuff. So we work really hard, but our team has a lot of fun. We do a lot of off the wall things too. And we, we have a lot of fun with it.
2: I literally saw that TikTok last night of the Gucci. You guys were in the mall yeah. and and I was going to ask you about that because I, I, I do photography. So like it just kind of piqued my interest because I was like, well, that's yeah. cool.
0: <laughs> yeah, it was super fun. They called out of nowhere last week and they were like, hey, this lady said that you were up for almost anything. And we need a stallion to come to North Park Mall that's gentle enough to walk inside the mall on the wax floors and stand in front of the Gucci store to get a picture taken by this world famous photographer and I'm like listen you called the right person we got this and so um, Miles Baker and Trevor Brazil they are almost always up for all of my wild ideas and we have this stud Kilo is what we call him and he's um, a four-year-old that's won about 60,000 or so so far he's really nice horse and he's real real pretty so I was like I have the perfect horse Miles and Trevor came along with a ton of fun with it so anyways we're excited to see the finished product.
2: So let's talk a little bit about Solo Select. You've already kind of uh, told everybody how it was created, how you kind of found your passion for it. Obviously, it has grown into the monster that it is today. Um, But Mm -hmm. when you had originally started it, you kind of honestly like kind of modernized the way that we're doing horse sales. And, um, Mm -hmm. you know, like you said, you do a lot of it online. Can you kind of talk about the process to build something like that and then kind of flip it on its head and, and kind of change how we do that. Right. Because like, I, I feel like pre COVID most sales were in person or at you know mm-hmm. major events and stuff, but now we're seeing a lot more online
0: um, specifically from your company. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, I think the key is like, I hate to say this, but there's not a lot of people my age coming up that want to be in the horse industry full time, you know? So you have somebody like me that comes up I'm ate up with it. I love doing this. Um, I'm hungry to be successful at it. And I'm looking for ways to do it. It's almost an advantage to me that I didn't grow up in the horse business because I didn't have to play by the rules per se, because I didn't know the difference. You know, I didn't know that people aren't supposed to buy horses on the internet. I had been to five horse sales in my life whenever I started that online sale company, you know, like I just, and to me, it was just like, well, I guess I, I feel like the way it developed was I just kept pushing the boundaries. Like, okay, well, I think I can sell horses online. Okay, great. We sold them online. Next, well, what if we have an auction online? Okay, let's push that boundary a little bit. Well, then we did a Facebook auction, right? That's like the most funkiest way you could ever sell a horse. You comment on a Facebook auction or a Facebook picture to buy a horse, you know, but it was super effective. We sold horses on there for six digits. You know, it was awesome. And people loved it. Sometimes people in the horse deal, gravitate and love stuff like that just because it's different you know it was just a different thing for everybody and so we kept continue to push that boundary and then we said well you know I think it was like I, I thought about it one day and I was like man I just think there's a change coming to the horse industry and I think that with COVID and all that what a better time to try to put these horses into one big sale instead of just trying to get them and sell one here and one Tuesday and one Thursday like let's just have a sale online and so we did that and that has really continuously changed. Like obviously there was no rule book on that when we started on how to sell horses online. And so uh, to say that we've ran it for three years without a problem would be lying. We found issues here or things that we didn't think we should disclose, but we should have or whatever it may be. And we've continued to build that sale where now I feel like we've dang near perfected it. Like we rarely have an issue. we, are super transparent and upfront with people on this horse sale. We give them more, you have more information on our online sale than you would have if you went to a live sale um, on these horses. And so it's continued to develop and we are always open to trying to make changes to make it better. I think that's really the key is like, this is uncharted territory. So what can we continue to do to make it better and better and better? And that's what we try to do in our online sale is really, Um, You know, we say we're the leader in online sales. We are. um, And and we want to continue to to hold that, uh, hold this industry to a higher level and make sure that we're pushing ourselves and everybody else to, to do a great job of representing these horses.
1: That's, that's awesome. And like Nicole had mentioned uh, about how you've been such a leader in the industry to kind of modernize things. I would say even like on um, your social media, your social media channels are incredible. (laughs) And um, I obviously we follow them and I see the comments from people that have, they don't own horses. They don't have anything Mm -hmm. to do with horses and they're like fascinated and they want to know more. And so it seems like you also kind of provide like an educational outlet in a lot of ways.
0: Mm -hmm. And I, I enjoy that part of it. You know, I think it's easy for me to reason and um, put myself in the place of people that don't know a lot about the horse industry, because I was that person. I just remember whenever I was young, I didn't have a clue what it was. I looked at the AQHA journal and I was like, this would like, I just didn't even think it was reachable to be able to have a horse that ever would be in that, you know, and so like, I can really Um, resonate with a lot of people that aren't in the horse industry and I like educating them it's it's same thing with a lot of our breeding um ever I, I hate to say it everybody thinks I've been in the breeding industry for 10 or 20 years or whenever I got my first stud in 2016 I didn't even know what ship semen was I had no clue I didn't know the difference in ship semen and frozen semen the guy that Jaff that he like had to give me the full education. He was amazing. Um, He gave me the full education on the difference and everything. And so I had to learn that stuff not that long ago from start to finish. And I mean, I've learned it good, bad and ugly over the last, I guess it's been six or seven years. But I think that that um, just like in the breeding deal, it allows me to explain those things and help people and resonate with people where um, that are clueless about breeding horses, you know, so I enjoy that part of it. I enjoy the education, and I just enjoy bringing people into our industry that may not have been otherwise and because it can sometimes be an unwelcoming place, and that's all there is to it. we it is it is a little tough to break into, but um, you know i I love to be the person that helps those people break into it and i I hope that people listening to this or whoever, like one thing I really want them to see is like you can do it there, people are always like, well, the people at the top are untouchable. And that's not true. Like you can start at zero and get there and get there pretty quickly if you're really committed to it and willing to make the sacrifices it takes to get there. So all of that to boil down to, I love to educate those people and talk to them and and guide them through those processes because I was there.
2: Your story is very inspiring in that sense. And quite honestly, our audience, Horse and Rider. We cater to a lot of people, a lot of people who keep their horses at home, who don't have access to Mm -hmm. horse trainers 24 seven, you know, who rely on clinicians coming through their cities, uh, to get any kind of help. And, and a lot of people, especially thanks to some of the TV shows we're seeing now, uh, a lot of new people who don't know where to start or feel overwhelmed by the amount of Western performance, just, you know, it's massive and there's so many different ways Mm -hmm. you can go. So that's like super inspiring. And, and I appreciate somebody who is at the top of their game, willing to help the new people and the people who don't have access to that information. Cause you're right. Sometimes it can be a little hard to break into. And, you know, we at horse and rider try to break those walls down because we definitely think there's a place for everybody. So I love, love Mm -hmm. hearing that. And I love knowing that there's more people out there that are trying to, you know, inspire people to get involved, Um, kind of going off of what you were just talking about. Do you have any advice for people? Or do you like anything that you'd want, like somebody who's just getting into whether it's breeding their mare, or, you know, they're they've dream of, you know, having a baby of their own. I know I do. I've never personally bred horses before, because, it's a daunting task. And anytime Mm -hmm. I talk to somebody about breeding, they're like, have a lot of money. That's the answer. Have a lot of money. (laughs) Um, But is there any advice you have for somebody who, you know, wants to learn more about the breeding industry, or maybe even wants to breed a horse of their own at some point in their life? Or, Mm -hmm. you know, any advice?
0: Yeah, so um you know, I've never done it, but I, I think that there are some great courses out there you can take, even if you're not going to be the one that tries to breed your mare yourself. There's some courses that are not expensive that you can take that explain the process like you would. And that education is, I mean, I know so many people that get into this, are like, I don't know what it means when a mare ovulates. Well, join the club. I didn't either at one point, you know, but you're going to learn really fast. And if you don't educate yourself before it's time to breed that mare, you're going to learn real fast after you've had to ship semen to her about four times and it's $300 every time you do it. So I think the key is really educating yourself beforehand. There's some of those classes, there's books, there's obviously all kinds of things. You know, ask your local vet if you can go spend some time up there, just following them around during breeding season. Just learn a little bit about it. There's breeding, you know, if you want to get into it hardcore, there's breeding facilities everywhere that always need help. And that's the key. If you can go work at a breeding facility for a year, you are going to be more educated than 99.9% of horse owners, and it will save you so much money down the road just to have that basic education. So I think those are, you know, depending on how committed you are, whether it goes from reading a book or taking a course to going and sacrificing six months of your life to work at a breeding facility, it just depends on what you, you know, how much you want to sacrifice to do this. But that, uh, the other thing is finding a stallion with good semen and a stallion station that's good to deal with um the ranch equine is where i've stood my studs jaff is he is the best person in this industry at talking people through issues with breeding and dealing with people that don't have a clue like he is just so patient and so good with those people so the ranch stands a number of studs at multiple different price points and man i would tell anybody that wants to breed their mare to give those guys a call and talk to him and they deal with vets all over the country. Let that stallion station tell them which vet, you know, they've had good luck shipping semen to that's gotten mares in full because there's a lot of vets that breed one or two or three mares a year. And there's, this is no uh, disrespect to them, but it's just tough for them to get those mares in full when they don't have that day-to-day practice. You know, you're better off paying a little more sending them to the guy that breeds 300 mares a year than you are trying to haul them back and forth to your local vet that breeds one or two. And so, Jaffin' them or whoever, whatever breeding facility you decide to use can usually send them to the right bed, And I think that's a really important factor too. But you just got to plan for the worst because the trick isn't always just getting the mare in full. It's keeping the baby alive. And, you know, it's it's a big task. So it's a big commitment. It's a big task. And it's this isn't just, say, to discourage anyone from it. But you do need to make sure you have a budget set aside that's appropriate. Don't overspend on your stud. But you don't have to breed to metallic cat the first time you breed a mare um go find a nice stud that has, there's a lot of studs you can breed to for just a little over the shoot fee that's a great place to start where you're not blowing your budget on the breeding fee so um don't blow your whole breeding budget on the breeding fee find the right vet find the right stallion station and you'll be fine
1: that's such great that's such great advice like i have no interest in mm-hmm. breeding anything because i tried to breed a mare i had uh twice she didn't settle either time and i gave up but like even to me i'm like that's great advice i feel like i could do it now
0: (laughs) yeah it's it's not rocket science but the really the key is just making sure you have the right people in your corner it's hard to get people that are that are um, very experienced in the breeding world so finding the right stallion station with the stud the as good semen and the right vet and they'll they'll be fine
1: so speaking about um mares and and all educating yourself on all that can you talk a little bit about the importance of like mare power because uh i I feel like Mm -hmm. i talk to people that want to breed um and they they get so fixated on the stud which of course is important Mm -hmm. but the importance of the mare can't be understated right
0: sure so i think it all um it's kind of a different it it depends on the caliber of foal you're breeding right like if you're breeding something because you've rode this mare for forever and you love her there's nothing wrong with that. And this is not to, um, you know, tell people you shouldn't do that. But a lot of people do place all of the, um, you know, they think that if there's a bad baby by a stud, it's all the stud's fault. Well, what kind of mare was it out of? You know, was she a bronc? Is that why she's a mare when she's three? You know, because nobody could ride her when she was two. You know, um, there's a lot of mares like that that get bred. And that's not to say some of those don't become producers, but most of the time they don't. And so, um, you know, just picking a mare that has made form to function like I think that's the biggest thing is like pretty always sells color always sells and we all can agree on that but you've got to have a mare that's made correct to do whatever job you're designed to do whether it's run barrels or whatever that may be and um, something that has a decent mind sure helps Um, especially if you're not trying to produce these high-powered cutters I hate to say it but some of the best cutting mares in the industry are absolute idiots but they're also producing open caliber horses that dang mare have to be little on the edge to be able to compete at that level you know if you're trying to breed a horse that you guys can enjoy for you know in sin and training and be something you can show you need to breed a mare with that kind of disposition because you're you're going to get what you what you breed out of that it, it doesn't usually lie if you have a good-minded mare and a good-minded you're probably going to get a good-minded baby and like I said there's nothing wrong with those mares that are a little wild and all that but you just better be prepared of the kind of baby you're going to get out of that.
2: Um, yeah, no, that's, that's great advice. And I think maybe even the last like 15 years of breeding, you see a lot more importance put on the mare. I know when I was, Mm -hmm. I I grew up in the horse industry and I showed a lot as a kid and you didn't really hear much about the mare side, you know, nobody ever cared how they were bred. And, and I couldn't even tell you what my really good show mares mom, I, I don't even remember how she was bred. All I remember is who my horse's stud was. But now mm-hmm. we're, we're hearing of like your ranch, who's putting an emphasis on the mare power. And then there's a couple of other, you know, breeding facilities out there who are really starting to collect those, you know, performance mares who have, you know, done stuff, not just breeding wise, but also in the show pen. We're seeing a lot more mares mm-hmm. in the show pen. People are more excited about the mares. I'm very pro mare. I have mares. I love mares. And so it makes me excited because now people are not just going for the geldings. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that one reason we're seeing the mayors take so much precedence too, is because it's just gotten tougher. Like if you're really trying to be competitive um, in any of our disciplines, you know, it, it's, you can like it or not. All of these disciplines used to be more merged. We could have a pleasure horse that could do this, that, you know, it just, and it's, gotten tougher. And that's what it's supposed to do. Everybody can complain about it. Our horses aren't as versatile, but we've bred them that way. And we've made it so tough that you can't have a horse that's going to cut and run barrels and do all that and be competitive at a top level. I'm not saying not be competitive at high school rodeos or things like that, but at a top level. And so to be competitive at that top level, you have to have a mare that is phenomenal. You just don't see just mares produce those open finalists anymore. You just don't see it. And we used to see it all the time. So um, I think a place that we really see that happening right now is the roping. Like it used to be that ropers were everybody's rejects. And now like we're breeding for them. And the the ropers are starting to understand like, wow, it is really important that these things are out of a good mare. You know, first of all, it makes their job easier to train them. I mean, they're made to do what they're supposed to do and they have the mind to do what they're supposed to do. And, um, so I think we're seeing that, you know, the roping is a prime example of why mare power is becoming more and more prevalent. We're seeing the winners now out of good mayors. So,
2: well, and like you kind of said before, you know, roping kind of used to be where the, where the rejects go or, or, you know, the Mm -hmm. horse that didn't make it as a, a rainer or cutter or whatever, you know but now it's so specialized and there's so much money in the roping that yeah people are breeding now specifically Mm -hmm. for rope horses and I think Mm -hmm. another event that is newer to the western discipline is that ranch riding that ranch versatility Mm -hmm. stuff we're now starting to see ranch horse studs pop up you know before it was you would take that reigning reject that pleasure reject and you would put them over some poles and do a nice pretty pattern and but now it's becoming so specialized that you're kind of seeing that as well
0: yeah. And, and all of this to be said that I don't want to discourage people that don't have a top notch mare not to breed their mare. Like, I think that because I, we breed a lot of mares to tic-tac or battalion that have never won anything, but these people love this mare and it's their horse and she was good at whatever part of this bunch was. There is nothing wrong with that. But I think what you have to keep in mind is if you have a mare you want to breed, you need to breed her for the kind of mare she is like, you can't breed a mare that hasn't done anything that's by a son of something to metallic cat and expect to get a return on your money. You know, you've got to breed to a stud that matches your mare and, you know, choose what direction you want to go, whether you want to sell it or whatever it may be. But I, all of this to be said, I don't want people to think they have to have a world champion to breed horses because they don't. But, um, you know, you just need to try to breed to a stud that complements your mare and that is on her level, you know, to, to try to produce what you're going for.
1: Yeah, it sounds like you just kind of have to uh, like temper your expectations and have realistic expectations. Exactly, based on that's what you have. really the key.
0: Yeah, the expectations is tough because everybody that breeds a horse, you go through the process. You're very emotional about it. You know, you've seen this mare get bred, then you've watched the baby be born, and then you've raised it, and you think it is the greatest horse that ever lived. And like, that's great, right? Nobody can root for that horse more than you can. But you do have to be have realistic expectations about it, or you're just going to end up disappointed more times than not. And so I think that's a great point is, you know, breed to the expectations that you can get out of those mares, but that, that shouldn't discourage you from doing it. We, we need all levels of horses and there's place for all levels of horses within our industry as well. So.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely. There's, there's a spot for everybody. I totally agree. There's a spot for everybody here. Yeah. And like on that topic, um, can you tell tell us a little bit about uh, a few of the stallions that you stand? You talked a little bit about your mm-hmm. um, metallic cat stud, but what else do you yep. have? Yep. So we
0: have metallic attack. That horse was a PHA world champion. He's double registered. He won about 30,000 in the cutting. We roped on him. Um, his oldest foals are two-year-olds now looking really good. Um, we've read a lot of mares for that horse for over the last too. couple of years. Okay. Oh, are we good?
2: Oh, now I can hear you. Okay, You're back. you want me to start back over, literally from the beginning.
0: <laughs> okay, so um, so uh, the first stud that we have is Metallic Attack. That horse is a Metallic Cat's son. Um, he was a world champion, won about thirty thousand. Bred a lot of marriage to him the last couple of years. Uh, really excited to see these babies. The oldest ones are two. We have a phenomenal set of yearlings coming by him that will all go in training next year. So we're we're very excited about that. Um, we have the Dark Side, who is a stud that we had with. Uh, Miles Baker and Trevor Brazil. Um, he is by once to blue boon out of uh, the PRCA heel horse of the year, DT sugar checks Whiz. Um that stud is currently being shown by Trevor. We syndicated him a couple months ago. So um, we basically now have 49 other partners on that horse and people that are now involved in him and, and what he does. So that's been awesome and really exciting. It's been a great experience for our syndicate shareholders. Um, we offered those shares, Uh, and they sold out within a day it was really successful but we've had a ton of fun with these guys so we're really excited to see what dark side does right now he's won about forty thousand. um doing great so i think we've got a big future ahead of us for for him um the next stud we have is woody be tough of course so Woody is a 11 million dollar shire now we bought him two years ago um woody's 22 years old this year Um, We're very excited to have him in our program. Um, He's healthy, doing great. We're seeing the courses win across all disciplines, which has been the most exciting thing for us with him. He's got cutters and cow horses and rope horses and ranch pleasure and everything in between. So that's been fun. um, And, and he's doing great. Um, The newest stud that we have is a horse named pride and joy. Uh, We call him Kilo. He is a Stevie Ray Vaughn out of a Pepto mare. Um, that colt was actually born and raised here at our place, uh, sold, uh, went through Chris Dawson's program, made the open maturity finals with him, won about 50,000. Um, uh, we bought him back with Miles Baker and Trevor Brazil. Um, those guys are showing him, loving him. So that's our newest one coming up. That was the Gucci horse the other day in the mall. Um, and then we've got some other young studs coming up that are just kind of tucked away right now. Uh, we'll see how they come along and see if they make the cut for, uh, for true stallion prospects, but we've got some really exciting ones coming up kind of in the pipeline.
2: So on top of the breeding and the standing and all that, you guys do a lot of uh, yearling fitting. You're training Mm -hmm. a lot of young ones to hopefully go on to have Mm -hmm. really great, you know, lives with other owners. Can you kind of talk a Mm -hmm. bit about that side of your business? Was it kind of something that came after, you know, with, with like bringing them up. And it sounds like you guys have tons of horses that you are bringing up. How did that kind of come Mm to be?
0: So, um, it, our program has really changed because a couple years ago I raised a lot of horses. I mean, I say a lot, 30 to 50 babies of my own. Um, i have cut it back. I think this year I had eight born and it's, purely for the fact that we've been completely out of recepts for the last two years. And when I tell somebody to buy a mare and that we want to do the breeding work on them, I can't steal the recepts from them because there's a limited number. So um, that's kind of put a damper on the breeding program here, but it's, you know, I've got to take care of my customers first. And uh, so we've got, we raise about 100 to 150 babies here a year um, that are born here. And, and then I would say maybe 80 of those stay with us through until they're yearlings. And then, um, so that is, that. that's an exciting part of what we do. I'm really uh, involved in that with my customers. I talk to a lot of them um, often, you know, I, I coordinate with them on the breeding plans and consult with them and um, do all of those things to kind of help them make the breeding choices that fit their goals. And so it's fun to be a part of that. Not only do I usually get to help them buy the mare, I get to help them choose what we're going to breed them to, and then we get to see those babies on the ground, decide what we're going to do with them. Most of these people buy these horses as an investment, so we sell a lot of these as babies, yearlings, or embryos, but um, we're just really in the, you know, this was in 2018. The breeding really kicked off for us about in 2020. We were breeding some in 18 and 19, but 2020 was really the big year where we had a lot of customer mares. So... um, our biggest crop of solo select raised ones are really two year olds right now. So we haven't gotten to really partake in all the fun yet of seeing them be winners, but, um, but we're excited about that. We have a lot of them out there and a lot of them have gotten into really good programs. And so we're, we're pumped to see what they do, you know, since we got to be a part of them from the very beginning.
1: Yeah. That's an exciting uh, next few years coming up to -hmm. see how that all turns out. That's going to be awesome. Um, now Devin's frozen. Other than uh, th- looking forward to that, did I freeze? <laughs> oh, now you're
2: back. Okay, because you guys. Yeah, are we got you
0: now.
2: <laughs> you you also have to start from the beginning.
1: <laughs> I'll start from the beginning. That's going to be a couple of exciting years coming up, just to see how, how all that plays out and get to see them go from mm-hmm. just the ground up, basically. Um, yes. Other than that, what other exciting things is in uh, the future for Soul Select? Um, well.
0: We do not currently have a stallion station, but that is something that we are actively working on that I think is going to be very exciting if everything comes to fruition like we think it's going to. So um, I can't talk too much about it now, but if that comes together like it's supposed to, it's going to be really, really exciting. So we're really looking forward to that. That's kind of the next step in what we're doing. Um, The reset farm was a big step. (laughs) That's been a learning curve. You know, we've, I honestly, I've never had 2000 mares in a herd setting at once and it's a whole different life like it is very very interesting to see how those mares interact with each other um how they coexist together you know we have herds of mares but there's like 15 mares together you know and it's not that all 2000 mares are in one spot together but you put a a set of 100 to 150 mares in one place and they have to run up and come up and get to the pens and it's very cool but it's very interesting so that's been really fun it's um it's been a cool experience to see those mares and how they go and and get this breeding and and uh, reset facility kind of in tip top shape like the rest of our places and so that's been a big project the last couple months but we're really looking forward to that we have a great guy hired to manage that another really good guy to manage the um, reproduction part of that reset facility it's its own standalone facility from everything else so that's exciting um, and then our studs were you know. We syndicated dark side. That was cool. That was earlier this year. That was another, we've had a lot of projects this year between select genes and syndicating dark side, buying a reset farm. Um, but Kilo is kind of our next project. So we haven't decided what we're going to do with him yet, whether he's going to be syndicated or we're going to stand him. Um, but I think a lot of people are kind of waiting on the edge of their seats for that. That horse has really made a showing for himself the last couple weeks at the roping. So everybody's been Really interested to know what our plans are with him. So I think uh the stallion station is really kind of what we're looking forward to the most and seeing where all that goes.
2: I think my biggest question for you is how do you manage that? <laughs>
0: how do you do all of that? So um, I have an amazing team. Um, I really do. Like it's taken several years to get the group of people that we have now together, but they're awesome. I have Happy that's our general ranch manager and kind of my right hand person. Um she's awesome. She, I stole her from my vet. I don't think that he's let me live that down yet, but uh, Dr. Oliver donated her to the cause because I really needed some help back in 2019 and she came on and she's been amazing. So she kind of helps everything go day to day. Laura Bell in the office and Cody and um, we have a whole crew of people that are just awesome. And so, I didn't really, you know, you hear it growing up and I didn't go to business school, so I didn't know the difference, but everyone's like, oh, your team, you know, that's what makes these things successful. If the horse places, it's a hundred percent the team. I don't care if it's a horse trainer, a breeding facility, whatever it is. You see a horse trainer lose their two-year-old guy. You don't see them in the open fraternity finals the next year. You see a breeding facility that loses their vet or their office manager. You don't see pregnancy rates as good the next year. Like those things, the the people are really the key. And so that's how I keep up with it. Basically. I don't know that I always keep up with it, but I run around and give it a good, a good try every day. But, um, and then Ty Smith kind of keeps everything he's, he's really stepped up and he, he takes care of a lot of the operations as far as buying hay and the logistics and all that. And that's a huge deal, you know, just buying the hay and the feed for this place and making sure that we don't run out with 400, you know, not including the receipts, we have four to 500 head on feed at all times. And then we've got a few 2000 receipts. I mean, it's dang near a full-time job just to make sure we have the hay contracted correctly. So it's a huge operation with a lot of things that go and it takes a big team to do it. And we just think we have the best one and, and uh, we try to take good care of them and we have a lot of fun. If you see our Facebook, you see, <laughs> but that's really how we keep up with all of it.
1: Well, and, and truly you guys are such leaders in the industry and, and it's just been wonderful to get to talk to you and hear your story. And I think people are going to love this episode because you're self-made and you're, yes. you just coming from a background that's not in the horse industry and getting to where you are now is, is truly incredible. And it's Thank a great you. team. And, but you've also just put in so much hard work. Um, yeah. so where, where can people follow along with the solo select, uh, journey? Because truly your social medias are amazing. Thank you.
0: Um, so at Instagram, TikTok, we're active on both. Instagram, TikTok, Snapchat, all those things. You can look up Sella Select and we're on there. Um, we try to share a lot of the behind the scenes things. You know, I think it is, we take it for granted every day, right? Because I'm right in the middle of it. But I think people really enjoy seeing what actually happens here day to day. And so we do try to share a lot of that. Um, we have a very active group on Facebook called um, the Sella Select Group. Um, you can join that and become a part of it. Uh, we post a lot of sale horses there, but we post a lot of interactive content. Um, we do a lot of giveaways. We do lots of fun stuff on there too. So, um, I encourage anybody that's watching this to get on there and come join us and watch what we do. And, um, I love seeing people that want to be more involved in the horse industry and, um, it's awesome. We need to try to cater to those people and bring them more, you know, down here and get in our area and come get in the midst of it. And I hope those people do that, but um, there's never been more opportunity in the horse business than there is right now ever. I promise you, there has never been more opportunity. So if you are ate up with it and you want to make the life sacrifices it takes to come down here and spend, you know, two to five years learning this business, it can pay off big because there is so much opportunity in it right now.
2: Well, I, for one, love your social medias, love the behind Thank the you. scenes, love seeing everything that you guys are doing. And in fact, I think it was probably like, what, like eight months ago when I first saw your stuff and I was like, wait, who is this? And then I like, so yeah. like oh, oh, okay. And I like follow immediately. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It's, it's awesome. You guys, whoever your social media person is crushing it. So for sure. yeah, you That's summer. It's,
0: it's not me all the time. I, you lot of times I come up with the crazy ideas, but summer executes them beautifully. So it's, I would love to take credit, but it's most of the time it's not me.
2: (laughs) Well, it's fantastic. Um, I'm joining your Facebook group now as you speak as about it, because it sounds like such a great group as well. So, um, thank you so much for coming on and speaking with us. Uh, we thoroughly enjoyed talking with you. We love your story. You're an inspiration to the horse industry. And I hope somebody who's listening today, who is new to the horse industry or afraid to get out there and do what they really want to do within the horse industry i hope this is the inspiration that they need to do it
0: yes i do too i love like i said i love seeing people that don't have anything to do with it that want to like telling you guys get in the middle of it just jump in and there's there's a huge payoff not only can you do something that you love but i mean um there's just never been more opportunities so take that opportunity now because it may not always be like this
1: that's right jump in
0: yes Well,
2: thank you so much for talking with us today, Melanie.
0: Yes. Thank you, guys.
3: Thanks. This episode is brought to you by ADM Animal Nutrition. Patriot Equine Feeds, the official sponsor of Good Times and Best Friends. Feed forage first. Feed Patriot. Thank you guys for
2: tuning into the Ride Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this episode, and please be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Follow Horse & Rider Magazine on social media and find us at horseandrider.com to see all the cool things that we're up to. And if you have any comments or questions, please be sure to hit us up at horseandrider at network.com. We want to hear from you guys. And if you like what you're listening to, please be sure to leave us a review on iTunes.